The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. For now, I'd like you to open your Bibles, if you would please, to Exodus chapter 20. And we return to our study of the Ten Commandments and We're looking for a third time at the Eighth Commandment, which says, Thou shalt not steal. 1 Timothy 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. The love of money, that that is a cause of all kinds of evil. And the way that we obtain money can sometimes be evil. There are people who believe that stealing money is easier than working for it, that free and easy is what we really desire. One author wrote that indolence is a cause for thievery. Now, indolence is just a fancy word for plain old laziness, that instead of working for it, Uh, working for an honest living, some resort to all sorts of shifts and tricks, which is usually nothing less than stealing. Now, theft happens at every level of society. Uh, Wall Street scandals with their white-collar crime down to the child that shoplifts a, a piece of candy from a convenience store. Theft is found among the rich and the poor alike. Theft is a problem everywhere, in every place, including the church. I remember as a teenager that I always left my keys in the car uh, when I parked it outside of the church. And one night after the services, I went out to get into the car and there was no car. Someone had stolen it. The next morning, the police found the car parked on the side of the road with the thief asleep in the front seat. And the thief was a church member. And since that time, I've never trusted church members, so always lock the car. But theft is a problem of of not trusting God. A thief doesn't trust God to provide for his needs. A thief wants more than what God provides. And if others have more stuff than we have, then the best idea is just to redistribute the wealth to include us. The government does basically the same thing when it takes away the wealth of a working man and gives it to those who will not work. So God simply says that what we are to do is to be content with what we have. And God says, I will take care of you. If you trust him completely, you don't need to steal. Now, you may wonder, why am I talking like this to a group of church members? Surely we're not thieves, are we? Well, we're going to find out. That's what we're discussing. Now, today I'd like to continue our study of this Eighth Commandment. We're in the third part of our outline, which is the Law of Prohibition. Now, we've already covered the law of property, and that is the inherent right of people to own property. And we discussed the law of provision, which says that God promises that he will take care of all of our needs. And thirdly, we continue with the law of prohibition, which is the many ways that we can be guilty of stealing. And we find that the same is true in this commandment as the others, that there are so many ways that we can break this that we just about can't keep up with them. With this fallen nature that we have, we can never keep from breaking the commandments due to the multitudes of ways that they can be broken. 
And yet at the same time, God says, you shall not break any of them. Stop breaking the commandments. Now Paul gave good advice to Christians in Ephesians chapter 4. He said, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Now, Paul was writing to people that were converted to Christianity, and this is not an implication that all of these people that he wrote to were all bank robbers. They're all former bank robbers, and so now Paul says to them, don't steal anymore. No, these were people that were guilty of common dishonest acts that many people don't think are dishonest at all. They don't even realize that they're things that they shouldn't do. And what Christians need to do is to be very diligent to uncover all dishonest ways that are in us and eliminate all of those ways. Stealing at times seems to be innocuous. We say, well, it doesn't hurt anybody. What I've done doesn't hurt anybody, but it's all, always harmful to us. And that's because we are supposed to be like Christ. We are to be holy. And so we want to be holy as He is holy, so we've got to get rid of all these dishonest ways that we practice. Now last week I, I spoke about some issues that were of particular importance to me because these were ways that we steal from God. And I call that religious stealing. We steal from others, but it's much more serious when we steal from God. And so by example, I gave you three ways that it is possible to steal from God. We talked about the theft of souls. And that's the thievery of religious charlatans who care nothing at all about a person's soul, but they enrich themselves through deceitful lies when they preach a gospel that tricks people into giving them money. And the promise is that God will open up heaven and pour down riches on them if they just keep on giving their money. And they cheat people out of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And the only ones that get rich are the preachers. Then there's also the deceitfulness of penance and purgatory, which are ways that Catholicism merchandises the soul for money. They tie eternal life to the cash box. And that's the way that they finance Roman Catholicism into being uh, the richest organization in the world. In the 16th century, Pope, Pope Leo X commissioned the sale of indulgences, which is a sale price that's put on the privilege to sin. And through that, he financed his own luxurious lifestyle and the building of St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Now, if it's possible to state it this way, it's a kind of stealing souls from God. They merchandise the soul as if it's a commodity to be bought and sold, and they do it to enrich themselves. Then we talked about theft from the storehouse. That's, that's the thievery of tithes and offerings that belong to God. Now, I hate to stand in front of Christians and say that some of you may be thieves, but I can't do anything less than say it the way that God describes it. He says, there is no excuse for robbing me. To keep God's tithe and to use it for yourself is sinful. And that's another form of selfishness and lack of faith. The Israelites doubted God when they said, can God provide a table in the wilderness? And you say the same thing when you refuse to give your tithes and offerings. You say that if I give this, then God's not going to provide for me. I'm not going to have enough for myself if I give it to God. And the terrible part of it is that the money was never yours to begin with. God's the one who gives you the ability to gain worth. 
Everything that you reach, uh, wealth rather, everything that you receive is a gift from Him. And so He asks that you show your faith by giving back to Him what He requires. And so He said, wherein have you robbed me? In tithes and in offerings. Thirdly, we talked about the theft of the Sabbath. You steal from God when you take His day. When you take the day of worship, the day of reverence, the day of praise and devotion for God, and you use that day for you, then you have stolen from God. And if you're gone from church more than's reasonable so that it hinders your ability to use your, your gifts, the spiritual gifts that God gives you in the service of Him in this church, then you have also stolen from God. Now, I remember that my dad used to say that there is no ability like dependability. And preachers think that way because we teach ourselves and we teach others to be faithful. Church work doesn't just happen. There has to be someone dedicated to it. And you have to ask yourself, are you faithful enough to the Lord's day? And if not, then two commandments are broken for the price of one, the fourth and the eighth. And so from a pastoral point of view, I feel bound to tell you that you are not to steal from God. All theft is bad. But if you dishonor God in the first table of the law, there isn't any hope for you keeping the second. Well, today I'd like for us to move on to other ways to steal. And I can't name them all, so I'm just going to give you a few things to think about. And then we're going to finish this study next week with the positive application of it. So I, I could talk to you today about other ways of stealing, like robbing banks. Of course, that's stealing. I can talk to you about armed robbery in general. I can talk to you about grand theft auto and all sorts of those kinds of crimes. But you probably don't need me to tell you about those things because I, I doubt seriously there's anyone here who knocked over a bank lately. So I'd probably be wasting my time to talk about those things. Or I might talk about embezzling. That, that's certainly a crime. There are some people who steal from their employers and we'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes, but most of you don't have the opportunity to cut an extra check to yourself out of the employer's bank account. You, you, you can't do that, and most Christians wouldn't do it if they could. Although I do know a, of a couple of Christians in, in our church back in Kentucky who did that very thing. Not long ago there in Santa Rosa, there was a secretary who stole thousands of dollars from her church. And maybe that happens more than we think, and we just don't hear about it because churches don't like to air their dirty laundry in the public, in public. But we have to be careful about things like that. And so in our church, we are careful with the checks and balances so that people can't steal the church's money. We do everything that we can to prevent theft, even to the point of checking John's briefcase when he leaves the services. So, so rather than than to spend time on the rare occasions with things that you would never do, never think of doing? Well, we're going to talk about some more common ways of stealing that might accidentally catch you as we go through them today. So let's talk a little bit about common thefts. I, I was looking for a quote that I'd read, and I, I, I couldn't find it again. But in this quote, the author distinguished common theft from other types of thievery. And the gist of his comment was that the common thief is not the one who steals from the bank, who goes and robs the bank. That's not common theft. That is uncommon theft. You don't see that very often. Common theft is when people do things every day 
that they don't think twice about doing them and not even think that they're stealing something or recognizing that that is theft. That's what you would call common thievery, just what we do every day. So let me talk to you about some of those things and maybe we can sprinkle in some others as we go. So see if you fit into any of these categories. So I'll start with this, number one. This, This is theft. Credit thieves. Credit thieves. Anybody starting to get a little bit nervous yet? Credit thieves. Many people are guilty of theft by credit. This is the person that borrows and doesn't pay back. Psalm 37 verse 21 says, The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. There are several ways that this works. I I heard of one pastor who said, "I, I wish I could get my hands on the people that have borrowed my books and never brought them back. That is one form of thievery, borrowing and not giving it back. But there are people that that borrow money and they don't have any intention of paying it back. They have a sob story to tell you and they promise that if you'll help them, if you'll just give me some money, I'll be sure to get it back to you. And I have some good advice for you. Never lend any money that you can't afford to lose. Assume that you're not going to get it back, and then when you don't get it back, then you won't freak out. Years ago, there was a a fellow who came to church, and he was having a hard time. He needed a place to live. And he said, well, uh, I need some cash, and if somebody will just give me some money so I can make a deposit down on a place to live, I'll be sure to get that money back to you. Now, I'll start out with this, that the church does not lend money. Now, sometimes we might give somebody some money that that really needs it if people need help, but the church is not in the loan business, so don't come and ask the church if if we will loan you money. But I decided that I I would help this person personally, and so I gave him several hundred dollars. Uh, one of the church members said, he's good for it. He'll, he'll pay that back, and uh, he'll take care of it. So I gave him the money, but I was skeptical when I handed it over to him. In fact, I told my wife when I did, I said, I'm not going to see this money again. I'm not, I'm not going to get it back. I already set out, as soon as I loaned him the money, I said, I'm not going to get this money back. So I went to my savings account, took the money out, and I gave it to him. And I was right. He had no intentions of paying the money back. But I felt at the time that I could lose it, that if you want to put it this way, that I could take a chance on it and help him out if I could. And if he took the money, then that's on him. And so I just gave him the money. But it doesn't change the fact that he was just a thief. He's someone who stole from me. He never intended to pay the money back. Now let me explain something. That when you borrow money from the bank, you borrow money to buy a car or a house, or if you charge something on a credit card, you enter into a contract in which you promise to pay. And if you break that contract, there are two things that happen. First, you lie. And secondly, you steal. And it doesn't matter if the bank is big and they have lots of money. You're stealing if you borrow and you don't pay it back. Now, there are, of course, some people who live on credit cards and they're always overspending They spend their lives consuming more than they they can afford. Eventually that catches up with them and they can no longer pay Rob Peter to pay Paul. And so at some point they just stop paying. A few months ago there was a man who came to me who had done some work at my house. I hadn't seen him for about two years since he did this work. 
But he saw my car in the parking lot and he decided that he would stop and he came in and he said, I want to thank you. And I had no idea what he was talking about. He said, I want to thank you. And then he said, you gave me some good advice while I was walk, working on your house. And so as he was telling me the story, I remember that we were talking on that day. And he told me how that he liked to help people. He, he liked to help people out. And he said whenever the pastor of his church would come and say, we need some money for a project, we're going to try to help somebody. He said, I always took money and gave it to that project. But the money that he took was the money that he used to pay his credit cards and to pay his other bills. And he would take that money and give it to the project. And it turned out to be a regular thing with him. And so he was constantly calling the credit card company and begging for extra time to pay. And finally, that was just catching up with him. And he was very distraught about it. The pressure was getting to him. And so when he told me the story, I said, you ought not to do that. I said, look, now it's good to want to help people and to give people things, but you borrowed money and you made a promise. And your first obligation is to your creditor. A credit transaction is a promise to pay. It's a promise to pay according to the terms. That is to pay back what you owe and to pay it back on time. And he said, well, I, I took your advice. I started paying my cards instead of giving that money and he said, over this two-year period, since the last time that we talked, he said, my credit scores have gone up, and now I have peace of mind. Let me say two things here to clarify. First, you can't take God's money to pay your bills. You can't do that. You can't give away the creditor's money to pay, uh, to pay on something else or give to someone else, I should say. Now, there isn't any good way to get out of overspending. Either you are eventually going to steal from somebody or you're going to steal from God. Now secondly, there's a due date. You're obligated to pay on time. And that tells the bank, it tells the bank or whomever that you borrow from that you are trustworthy. Now let me talk to you about this for just a minute. Your credit score, in many cases, may be a measurement of your honesty. Now it's not always... But sometimes it can be. And so if you go to buy a car or you're going to buy a high-ticket item and you need to borrow the money for it, and so you go there, let's say you're buying a car, and you go in to see the finance manager at the car dealership, and he says, okay, we'll sell you this car, but we've got to check your credit first. And so he, he goes and checks the credit and comes back like he's just been to the little shop of horrors. And he says, well, there's no way. There's no way. You, your credit score just doesn't support this. Well, if your credit score is low because you don't pay on time or because you don't pay your bills at all, then just go to the book of Psalms and find a description of you, the wicked borroweth and payeth not again. You do what Elijah told the widow. She was poor, she didn't have anything, but you remember God multiplied her oil. And you know what Elijah said to her? Take this money and go pay your bills. If you don't pay your bills, you are a thief. Now, the banks know that some people don't pay. They're set up to handle losses with reserve accounts. Sometimes bad things happen and you just get stuck. And you might think, well, well, it's okay. The bank has money to lose. No. Somebody pays regardless. All the rest of us are stuck with higher interest rates because there are some people who will not pay. And then let me remind you of things like the electric bill, that's credit. Pay it. 
service provided to your home, the garbage, the water, the lawn guy. Pay him and pay him on time. And then here's another one, the cost of goods and services that are provided by the government. You owe something for that. The infrastructure, the roads, the cost of courts, making laws, administering laws, police and fire protection, all of those things are supported by taxes, so what should you do? Pay your taxes. Don't cheat on your taxes because that is stealing. Don't take money. This happens a lot of times too, even with Christians. Don't take money under the table from your employer without paying the taxes. You steal by doing that, and your employer also steals by trying to avoid those taxes. And here's something that might be a little bit uncomfortable, I don't know, but illegal immigration with people taking government benefits and health care and welfare, people living here without legal status are thieves. I don't know how you make that pretty. That's just what the Word of God teaches. A few years ago, we closed our Christian school, and one of the reasons was because of theft. And you say, well, how? Well, we carried a large balance with some people who wouldn't pay. And in one case, there was a former church member who owed thousands of dollars, and he kept promising that he would pay, but he didn't. But I know that that man spent money on cars, he spent money on vacations, he spent money giving gifts, but it seemed like he never could come up with any money to pay on his bill. And so he took advantage of the good graces of the church, and that is called stealing. The wicked borrows, and he doesn't pay. Now, number two, let me see if I can catch some more of you here while we go. Number two is cheating thieves. Now, buckle up, students, because we're not going to leave you alone. Cheating thieves. If you cheat, you are a thief. If you look on someone else's paper at a test, if you take the homework that someone else has done, you take the research, if you copy a term paper off of the Internet, you steal. You are a thief. You steal another's work. You steal the time and effort that that person puts into making a good grade. That's not always money. If you take intellectual property and pass that off as your own, that is theft. And then you might catch this too, young people, old people alike, that if you download music and videos that you're supposed to pay for and you don't, it's theft. How do I know that? Oh, it's real easy. Take your pirated music and your videos to the police station and ask them their opinion. Are you going to do that? No, you're not going to do that. Why? Because you know it's illegal. You're not going to take it down there and ask them what they think of it. It's thievery. There's a reason they call it pirating. Tap into your neighbor's cable. Into his Wi-Fi. Then call Comcast and give them your address and tell them what you did. Will you do that? No, no, you're not going to do that. Because you know you've stolen it. Don't get me started on software. Uh, I, I, I've made these mistakes in the past. I'll admit that. And this is tempting, but you can check me out. I own all my software, or at least I have a license to it. But we don't want to pay for it if we can get it free. But if you know that you can't call the company and give them your address and your phone number and tell them what you did, then you know that you've stolen from them. And then, of course, time fails me to talk about phishing scams and 
hacking and stealing passwords and all of that, we, we've just figured out a whole lot of sophisticated ways that we can steal. Thirdly, corporate thieves. Now let me give this to you on two levels. There's the management level and there's their, in the employee level. On the management level, they're those who commit securities fraud, like I mentioned earlier. There's another, those who have deceptive business practices. Go and buy a used car. There are reasons that lawyers and used car salesmen are slugging it out to find out who's the lowest slug. This is covered in the Bible. Did you know that? It's covered under the area of unjust weights and measures. It's the shopkeeper who puts his thumb on the scale or deliberately uses a faulty scale in order to cheat his customer. And we've modernized that practice somewhat. We're more sophisticated with it, of course. And so we do things like Volkswagen did with uh, tampering with EPA results so that it makes it look like their cars meet all of the standards and they sell the cars that way and everybody thinks everything is fine. Now let me reverse this for just a minute. I'm amused by the Ikea commercial. Maybe some of you have seen this. The Ikea commercial where the woman looks at her sales receipt while she's in the checkout line and she thought that she got such a good deal that the checker had made a mistake. And so she runs out of the store as quickly as she can, and she's running and yelling to her husband, start the car, start the car. What, what do you do? What do you do if the checker overcharges you? Do you not go back and say, look, we, we've got to straighten this thing out. You charge me too much money, and so I want my money back. But if you find out that they have undercharged you, do you go back and you insist, we've got to straighten this out. I owe you some money. You didn't charge me enough. You know, if you make that mistake, one way, you're honest, and the other way, you're a thief. Now, the Bible also speaks of dishonest employers who withhold from their employees a fair wage. In the Bible times, there were people, most people were paid on a daily basis because they lived hand to mouth. And so the Bible addresses that, and it says in Deuteronomy 24, verse 15, at his day, that is the laborer's day, at the end of his day, thou shalt give him his hire. Neither shall, thou, uh, neither shall the sun go down upon it, for he is poor and setteth his heart upon it, lest he cry against thee unto the Lord, and it be sin unto thee. James 5, 4 says, Behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud. Crieth, and the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Now there's the management side. Employers can steal from their employees, and so it's good that we have fair employment practice laws and all of those things. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to spend any time right now talking about uh, union practices and fraud and all those kinds of things. But employers steal. But there's another side to that as well, isn't that? Isn't there? Employees steal. And employee theft is huge in our country today, and it contributes to the high cost of goods and services because there are so many employees that steal. Now, the obvious thing is somebody in the retail store or whatever, the employee who takes things off the shelf, stuffs it in their whatever, takes it home with them, and they steal from the stores. But what about a different kind of theft that maybe even more are involved in, and that is stealing time. Do you check in 
when you go to work and then do you goof off? Do you leave early when you should be there? Are you busy when the boss is there, but then you're lounging when he's not? Do you call in sick in day, on days that you're not sick? You see, the employer pays for your time. What you do is you exchange time for your check. And so if you don't give him all the time that he's paid for, then you have stolen from him. How about this? Do you take office supplies home from work? I thought, I thought this was kind of humorous. Uh, Ligon Duncan said, well, you know the story of the little boy who was caught stealing pencils from school. And so his dad went to pick him up and he said to him, why in the world would you do that? I could have just brought you some pencils home from work. People are kind of stupid, aren't they? It's stealing from your work. Wonder, no wonder there's so much dishonesty. What's mine is mine. What's yours is mine too. The government can do it, so why not us? If they can redistribute wealth, then why not us? I mean, after all, we're the government, so that's probably where they got the idea, isn't it? So why work if the government can take from you and give it to me? Now, let me say that Christian employees ought to be the very best there are. Show up on time. Work while you are there. Be content with your wages. The Word of God says that. Be content with what you're paid. Now, sometimes you do have to bear some injustices, but the Word of God also says don't be contentious about it. Keep your hands off the stuff. If you need something, ask for it. If they give it to you, fine. But if you take it, you've stolen. Now, fourthly, and we'll wrap it up here. Number four is cheap thieves. Cheap thieves. What's a cheap thief? Well, I can, I can think of some types. The first one is the gambler. The one who wants to pay a little to get a lot. And it rarely works that way, of course, but people are just too stupid to count what they lost against what they've gained. And so a casino doesn't stay in business because most people win. That'd be a pretty stupid business model, wouldn't it? They're not going to stay in business because people win. Now, the best business model is to make people think they will win. They will win if they just pay in a little bit more. Pay in a little to get a lot. Now, I read an article just recently about how the government regulates how much the gambling industry can cheat you with a slot machine. Now, today's slot machines are electronic. They're programmed to pay. This is programmed into an electronic machine to pay, but never programmed to pay more than it takes in. Understand that. Now, secondly, the number of times that you play does not increase your chances of winning. Now, they have the slot machines with the levers and all of that. I guess they still have those. They did the last time I was over here at the casino. They were still there. But uh, they, they have these slot machines, and, and you pull that lever, but that lever actually means totally nothing. It doesn't mean a thing. Uh, but what they want you to think is, you're close. You're, you're close to winning. And just one more pull, just maybe one more. Put a little bit more money in, and one more pull, and you'll win. But the truth of the matter is, every pull on the slot machine has exactly the same chances of winning. You don't get more, better chances by doing it more times. Everyone has the same chance of winning. And so they regulate all of that, and this is what they want you to think. Pay in a little bit more, and you'll get something. Now, here, here's the long and short of that. Many people have to lose in order for somebody to win. 
And if you win, you're not taking money from the casino. You're taking money from the people that lose. The money was never the casinos. It's all the people that fed the machine. So you're stealing money from people that paid it all in. And so people want to get a lot by paying in a little. The lottery does the same thing. It says you can't win if you don't play. Never once have you heard them say, if you don't play, you can't lose. But it's all the same, isn't it? Grandma says a fool and his money soon part, and the casino banks on that. The Marines are looking for a few good men. The casino's looking for a lot of stupid fools. How else could they build a billion dollars worth of buildings in Roner Park? Except there are a whole lot of people that are willing to part with their money who are fools. Now, I, I stand behind a lot of fools at the convenience store. They buy two things, beer and lottery tickets. That's a very good combination, believe me. Beer and lottery tickets. And so uh, uh, I say, what fools? What morons? But you say, preacher, you shouldn't say that. Don't you remember a few weeks ago you said, Jesus said, don't call people a moron? Well, there are exceptions to that. Uh, Hezekiah 8.11 says, Yea, I say unto you, he who buyeth the ticket of lottery, I proclaim that they are fools and morons. That's in Hezekiah. Look it up. You can find that. So that's a cheap thief. How does he steal? He doesn't work for it. Uh, he takes from thousands of people who lose, and he might think, he might think he's going to make a fortune off people that are less fortunate. Well, another type of cheap thief that you might not think of is the one who sells TVs and stereos out of the back of a car. I didn't know that you could buy a 65-inch Sony Bravia 4000K TV for $89. Did you know that? You can. And, and when you are cheap enough to go and buy that, you are a thief. Now, maybe you didn't raid the warehouse and you didn't knock off the store or go into somebody's house and get it, but if you buy it from someone who did, you are complicit. You are a thief yourself. You know better than that. You don't get those kind of deals. It's thievery. Let me mention one more. You know, we, we, uh, we often talk about robbing the poor and gambling does that. The lottery uh, feeds off the poor, that is the least likely to afford it. But that's the draw of it. I mean, just fool them into thinking that they will become rich. But what if the opposite is true? What if someone, uh, someone makes you think that they're poor and they steal from you in that way? Now, I've got a story to tell you, and uh, you can make it this what you will. Think of it what you will. But we've all seen, we all know, the, the, the panhandlers that stand on street corners and, and uh, collect money. And I know that some of them are so far down, there's no doubt about this, they think they have just no hope, no place to go, and this is all that they can do. And I've given money to those people. And sometimes they'll even come by the church and ask for money. And I've learned that we shouldn't give them money, but rather what we do here is... Uh, usually I have some Safeway gift cards on hand. I don't give them money, I give them food. And the card that we give uh, specifically cannot be used to buy alcohol or cigarettes. So they can get food. And so we'll help people in that way. 
But this is one of my experiences. Uh, I live about two miles from Costco in Santa Rosa. And I noticed for weeks when I'd go, go there that there was one particular man who staked out the center median just as you pull into the shopping center. And I also noticed that there were others that were close by him that he was directing like they were employees. That he would say, now you go stand over there, and you go stand over here, and this one over here, and uh, just like they were his employees. So a little bit later, I, I guess his shift was over, and uh, so I saw him in Costco, and he had a cart full of stuff, and he took it out and put it into a brand new SUV. And, uh, you know, I'm always a little bit su suspect when I see a, a panhandler with an iPhone. What does he need with an iPhone? I mean, who, what kind of business is he doing anyway? Well, a guy or a gal who takes money like that in order to make their living with no intentions of getting a job, that person is a thief. Now, there are many other ways that people steal. There's no end to the variety of ways that people want to get something for nothing. But, uh, but I'll stop with that. You get the general idea of things that just go on every day that we don't think are stealing, but they actually are. Uh, next week, we're going to look at punishment for stealing. We'll look at the positive side of this command. For every negative injunction in the Ten Commandments, there's always a positive side to it. You shall not steal, so what shall you do? So let's conclude today just by doing this. Let's just take a minute to go to Jesus. We always need to talk about Christ in our sermons, don't we? So let's talk about him for just a minute. There are three ways that you can gain. One is by theft. You can gain by working for something, or you can gain by gift. Two of those ways are okay, one is, uh, or one is okay, two are not. So can I talk to you for a minute about a gift? You can't steal this, and you don't need to work for it. It's a gift that God gave. For God so loved the world that he gave. And the gift that he gave was Jesus. And the gift that comes with Jesus is eternal life. No one can work for it, and no one can steal it. I, I said already that religious hucksters will try to steal it from you, it doesn't do them any good. They can't gain anything by it, but you're certainly going to lose if you listen to them. So if you try to work for this gift, God's never going to give it to you. It's a gift that's obtained free. There's no cost to those who want it. This gift is the most expensive one that was ever given. It cost God the separation of his own son. And it cost Jesus his life. And it cost his separation from the Father. It cost an amount of suffering that was equal to all the suffering that would happen to every person that would believe in him. If you want us to tell you more about that gift, we're happy to do it. Today at the end of the service, we'll, we have people up here, we have people in the back who can help you with the gift. We even have people there sitting in the pews. And we have people that are in the hallway. And we have people in the office. And we have people at the door. Because anybody who has this gift is willing to give it to you. Is willing to share it with you. It's free, absolutely free. And it comes by faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. The most precious gift that could ever be received can't be stolen, can't be worked for. It only comes as a gift. And that is faith in Jesus Christ.
Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we are just so thankful for Jesus Christ who came into the world to die for our sins. Lord, as I preach this message today, I know that there are ways that what I've said will probably, should, I know, catch everyone that's in the room today. For those that are Christians, let's do what we said at the very beginning. Do everything that we can to get all dishonesty out of our lives. To be open, above board, honest in everything that we do. For those who aren't Christians, thievery, stealing, different ways of being sneaky about things and getting things in dishonest ways are crimes that condemn the soul to hell. And there's only one way to escape that, and that is Jesus Christ. And every one, every one that doesn't know Christ as Savior will find himself in those fires of hell's hell uh, being punished for a debt that can never be paid because this debt can only be paid by Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd open up the heart of someone to realize that today. And again, Lord, may we look over our lives and see all these different things that I've talked about, many, many, many more that we don't have time to talk about, that we just don't want to be dishonest because your word says, be holy even as I am holy. Help us to do that, Lord. Bless in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org